insurance agents from around the world. Hey, guys, this is Scott Howell with the Insurance Guys podcast. Hey, I've got a question for you guys. How many service calls do you get a day? How about a week? How about a month? More importantly, how many of those calls are revenue generating? If not, why are you still taking those calls? The reality is that clients don't want to call their agent for things like documents, billing, service requests. These are considered non-revenue generating activities that can and should be handled with a client experience platform, CXP. The rule of thumb is, can you rely on your technology to fully accomplish the same thing being asked over the phone? If the answer is yes, give the client that option, please. Now is the time to look into a CXP for your agency, a client experience platform. A CXP is a core system at your agency, just like your AMS, just like your CRM, just like your Raider. Having a client experience platform like Glovebox gives you a leg up on the competition and allows you to focus on sales, which we better all be focusing on because nothing else matters, and high-level service. Get a demo today with one of the Glovebox gurus and mention the Insurance Guys podcast to get 20% off your new CXP. Trust me when I say it's time to jump on the Glovebox platform. I know we've done it here in our agency. We love it. We're desperately trying to get all of our clients on the Glovebox platform, guys. Desperately. We want them on there. We want them to go get their ID cards there. We want to reduce the number of times they call the agency, and and that frees us up to do more selling. That's all it does. Call today, get a demo, and join Glovebox. Hey, guys, it's Bradley. Every now and then, a company comes across my desk that not only blows my mind in what they're able to accomplish, but we implement that particular technology in Portal, and it completely changes the way we do business. That's happened a few times with a few different companies, and it happened this year with Ascend. In case you don't know, Ascend saves agent time by simplifying the time-consuming process of collecting payments, premium financing, and carrier payables without the back and forth paperwork integrated right into your checkout experience where customers can pay how they want. Credit, debit, ACH, own the entire customer experience. It's branded to your agency and offer a modern checkout experience that your customers want. Ascend will also, this is the big one for me, automatically pay the provider, the carrier, the MGA, so you don't have to deal with the payables. It turns agency bill into direct bill. It combines the benefits of agency bill owning the experience with the convenience of direct bill. Don't have to worry about collections, payables, so you get the best of both worlds. And the best part is there's no subscription, no fee, and no cost to the agents. Stop wasting time on payments so you can focus on growing your business. Go to useascend.com backslash insurance guys. I'm telling you guys, this is not just a promotion. This company is going to change the insurance industry. They've already changed portal. Useascend.com backslash insurance guys. That's U-S-C-A-S-C-E-N-D.com backslash insurance guys. Tell them we sent you. Thanks. Insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. 
My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a 6'3 sophomore from Saraland, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Best I have ever been, Bradley. For two weeks, I've had the South African wombat virus. Oh. Could not stay off the toilet. Tried to go to the doctor. Nobody will see me. Headed to Kansas City tomorrow. Probably will end up in the hospital. Fine. I have heard that that is going around. It is awful. It is awful. So, yeah, I have felt awful for days and weeks and weeks and weeks. My wife's mad at me because I don't feel good. I got, I think I just got borderline cussed out by a client right before I called, but before I got on the podcast, that's always a good time. That is what owning a business is, ladies and gentlemen. We get up every day. We put our firefighter outfit on. We've got to show up. We've got to show up. Does not matter what happens. Does not matter what happens. You got to show up. And you got like people don't understand, you know, there's some people whose job stops at five o'clock. There's some people whose job never That's right. stops. And it, usually it's the people whose job stops at five o'clock that don't understand that the people they're working for job doesn't stop at five o'clock. Yeah. Um, you're all the time on. You're on all the time. You know, yeah. I think one of the topics I want to cover today had a podcast listener kind of bring this up to me the other day said you know one thing y'all could talk about on the podcast is just being a business owner and how to transition from being in the business working Mm. in the business doing quotes basically being a producer which we all start out at Mm -hmm. we all start out as being a producer you're an agent and then as you morph throughout your career you have to transition into working on the business and managing people and leadership and you know building the building the band yep you know you're wanting to build the the rolling stones the beatles you two and how do you make that transition how do you go from being this one guy selling insurance policies and doing everything mm-hmm. to 10 15 20 30 40 50, 100, 1,000 employees. How do you, you know, transition to that? You know what would be good that we should do with that is we need to almost make that like a three-part series. Uh-huh. And let's say episode one, we just have you and I, since we've scaled, I don't know how many team members you're up to. I'm at six. I think you're at eight or nine. And then we do another one with somebody who went to like, 20 or 30 and then we do another person that's at 100 and we talk because the thing is is like at each one of those stages i feel like you you know what i'm saying you, you, yeah things change different yeah exactly it's completely different you know we've oh, yeah. kind of we've kind of hit the point to where we're kind of in a weird in-between phase right now where i'm not at the point where i'm dealing with every issue but i also don't have someone there layered in to deal with that you know what i mean Yep. I think that would be really good. I mean, you could bring on like a Matt Namoli, like at the 50 employee or, you know, or Paradise or someone like that, you know, I think that's uh would be super valuable rambling, but. Oh no, that's, that's no problem. Guys. I got somebody on this podcast today. He's a friend of mine. Got to eat breakfast with him down in San Antonio, Texas at the one city world tour. And I just appreciate him very much being on this podcast today. He's got some great information and knowledge for you guys. My job. 
my job every single week is to help you agents any way we can row the boat just a little closer to the lighthouse. And Lord knows some days I know I do a halfway decent job at it. And some days I don't, but hopefully today we will. And uh, we can uh, help you agents get better today. So without further ado, let me give him the introduction that he's always deserved. Ladies and gentlemen, he was born, raised, and lives in San Antonio, Texas. He is married to the beautiful Alyssa, and they have one handsome, beautiful son named Esai, founder of Leal Insurance Services, an independent agency hyper-focused on personal lines and small commercial. He is also the founder of the Dads of San Antonio Facebook group, and we're going to get into that today, and he hosts a podcast by the same name. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Luis Leal. How are you, Luis? Oh, man. After that intro, how, how can I not be great? <laughs> well, I have a question. I, uh-huh. As an insurance agent in San Antonio, how often do you kick Aaron Robertson's ass? I'm kidding. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. <laughs> we had a conversation uh, on Facebook the other day. Oh gosh, I can't even remember what it was, but we were we, it was in the IOA group, which was really you fun. and Aaron, fun, yeah. Me and Aaron had a fun exchange on some comments on a post that somebody posted yeah. on there. I like giving Aaron a hard time. It's, it's He's a great dude. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny, you know. Like I think about people I know in my town, and it's like a totally different thing when you think about two people in San Antonio, where it's like several hundred thousand people. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, being from a small town, you it's like uh people meet me in the, from the Marine Corps and they're like, Hey, did you know so and so? Like, uh yeah, you probably know, not. Uh I run into that a lot being from Alabama. I think people who've never visited Alabama think of Alabama as this like backwoods place where not only does everybody know everybody, but they're all related. Yeah. And I was in Vegas one time. It's one of the first times I actually traveled far away outside of the southeast. And I ran into another Auburn fan we exchanged war Eagles and we were sitting there talking about football and another person from Nevada came up I think we were at the Hoover Dam and he was like and he knew that we weren't together but he's like do you guys know each other he's from Alabama too do you know I'm like no like there's you know 400,000 people in Alabama like no we don't you know what I mean but it's almost like they think about it as like oh you're you're together you know you run into the same thing when you talk to people in the northeast because you can travel through like eight states in two hours versus like, they don't understand like me just hopping over to Scott's office. That's like a, a two day trip, you know, like to get there and back. Yeah. Is San Antonio is, is unique in, in the sense that it's the smallest uh, big city. So it's, it's actually in my tagline, right? So my, my agency's tagline is big city insurance, small town service, Mm. because it is, it is the biggest small town that you'll ever come to. Um, I love it. I don't know everybody in town, but I, inevitably I will run into somebody somewhere, somewhere that we go. And my wife makes fun of me for it all the time. But it's like, I, you know, we're sitting down at a restaurant or something like that. Somebody walks in and I'll look at him and I'll say, man, I know that guy from somewhere. I just can't remember from where. And then I walk up to him and I, and Hey, how's it going, man? So good to see you again. And we start up a conversation. Like we, like we finished a conversation just yesterday. Oh yeah. I had a guy walk up to me at church yesterday and he say, aren't you that insurance podcast guy? There you go. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> I was like, oh, I do this. I'm not an insurance insurance, but I just know. I was like, okay, that's fine. That's cool. God bless you. <laughs> Luis, talk to me a little bit about how you got in the insurance industry. I need to know about it. 
Yeah, man. Oh, you know what I was going to tell you, Scott? I don't know if you know this, but DeLoreans are going to be made in San Antonio. Did not know that. Did you know that? No. So DeLoreans, they're they're building a uh, manufacturing plant. Yeah, the the electric DeLoreans. I was about to say Mandalorian because they're very similar. (laughs) But the DeLoreans, the electric uh, DeLoreans are going to be built here in San Antonio. I need somebody that has a DeLorean, whether it's an old one or a new one or whatever, to let me and Scott borrow it. We have to do new headshots, and I want to do it in a DeLorean. We've got to do that. I know Tony Parker. He's got a DeLorean. I'll give him a call and see if he can. Who is Tony Parker? Should I know who that is? Oh, my gosh. He played basketball. He was the point guard for the San Antonio Spurs for 150 years. I don't follow basketball, so that's why. Finals MVP, NBA Do you really know him? No, I don't. Uh, really I was not. about to be really impressed. <laughs> you were about to take me no. from I don't know who this guy is to damn Louis. I really, I'm impressed. No, I, I don't know. I wish I, I wish I knew Tony Parker. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. I, I know there is a uh, DeLorean group, like a, like a car club, pretty close to San Antonio, if not in San Antonio. So I'll put, I'll put a couple feelers out there for you. Put a I'm word surprised out. Aaron hasn't uh, we'll, offered. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out because I think that's too good to not for us not to do. Yeah, and plus their their manufacturing plant's gonna be here in town. So even more reason for you guys to come out here. Hopefully their owner doesn't get arrested for dealing coke again. You know that's what shut them down the first time. I had no idea. I can't speak to that. All right, guys. Enough bullshitting around. Let's get to some insurance. <laughs> okay. Here. Yeah, sorry. So Please, talk to us about how you got in the industry and bring us up to today, brother. Yeah. So my uncle was a uh, state farm agent uh, or is a state farm agent. And uh, I spent about nine years in the banking business, got really tired of the non-relationship building, you know, kind of environment that, that uh, banking is. And uh, my uncle said, hey, why don't you come help me build my agency? Uh, you know, after five years, you know, I'll, I'll make sure to help you get your own agency. And I got really excited about that opportunity. And um, so I, I left my $50,000 a year job at, at a bank and went to go work for my uncle for $24,000 starting salary plus commission been there. And uh, we kicked butt. We grew his business by 50% in less than two years. And uh, then I got tired of making money for him, quite honestly. <laughs> so I... Uh, that's a that's a common theme in the insurance industry Yeah, is almost every agent that I interview, they start out with, I got in it with this guy or the family and then... Losing right. the grandeur. Four, Four years later, I went out on my own. Yeah. What's so funny about that to me is when the people do get decide to go out on their own, everybody's that was the principal agent is just like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. so mad at you. <laughs> I'm so mad at you. Why would you ever leave? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait a minute. You're like everybody else. Never mind. Yeah. Luckily, there was a, there was a little bit of a different dynamic, right? Because we're, we're family, right? So there, there's that dynamic. We have to we kind of had to navigate. Um, yeah, you, but couldn't, you couldn't leave. Everybody in a had to play like kittens. Everybody yeah. had to play like kittens. Yeah. You still have to go to Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's right. So after being there about two and a half years, um, I you know we had a conversation, and I said, hey, you know, I really want to go out on my own, and I talked about different options with him. I thought about being a franchise agency, and then this was State Farm. No, well, so. Initially, the goal had been to become a State Farm agent. I actually went to um, management and said, hey, you know, I want to get prepared to open up my own agency. What do I have to do? And the executive that I talked to said, well, it's going to be seven years before you can have your own agency. And I mean, (laughs) 
I was like, I, I didn't understand it. And so I went back to my uncle. I was like, look, I'm not going to, I'm not willing to, to sit was around. Was that here like 2013, 2014? It, it was 2010. Yeah. There was this time because I worked for a state farm agent then. There was the time where they were really, in my opinion, like not giving new agencies out. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like the opposite of that. It's like, it's, yeah. I'm not saying it's not difficult to become one, but it's sure. like, there's like, you see it. It seems like you see a lot more new agents now than you did back in yes. 2010, 2011, 2012. And at the time, I, what, what they had told me was basically that I had to wait for an agent to retire. And, and I, I wasn't willing to move. That was the other, that was the other thing. I mean, I had built a whole network, right? Mm -hmm. That used to be in, the thing, whatever community mm -hmm. you were in, you had to move. Yep. And so I just decided I wasn't going to stick around and wait for that to happen. So I left his office in May. Uh, I left his office May 31st, 2010. And by July 31st, 2010, I had my office up and running. Mm, that's all. And thank you. Uh, and so 2010 at, is when you yeah, opened your insurance agency? Yep. Man. So 12, this year will be 12 years as an agency owner. Man, that's all. Thank you. And so when I Impressive. left, I, I wasn't a huge threat to him uh, because uh, I was doing a lot of non-standard business stuff. State Farm wasn't going to write anyway. But then I quickly realized that there was no money to be made the way that I wanted to make it in that arena. And I quickly switched my focus to standard and preferred business. And that caused a little bit of animosity because now I was a competitor. Now I had companies who were, who were, mm -hmm. you know, actively going after State Farm customers. So everybody starts out. I did the same thing. You start out and you're like, I'm going to write these non-standard customers. They're the most desperate for insurance. Right. And it's a crap ton of premium. But then you have one that, you know, I had a guy that wrapped his his truck around a telephone pole before his second payment came out of oh his account. And, and then you realize, like, wait a minute, like these are canceling and that sort of thing. You're like, nope, we're going back over here. Yeah, he, he you know, like I said, at first I, I wasn't a competitor. But then, you know, when I when I started writing a lot of. Oh, and the other the, real quickly about the non-tender stuff, too. In Texas, we can charge agency fees for that business. Mm -hmm. And so it can be profitable. Like if you have a system set up for it and you are, uh, you know, you're, you're actively pursuing that business, you know how to work that book. It can be very, very profitable for someone, but I wasn't comfortable with that. It's just me personally. I wasn't comfortable with that. Well, so, what I think happens too, is when you're, when you're at a captive, regardless of the captive, you feel like there's this weird thing of like, because you can't write everybody it makes you want to write everybody. Yeah. It's kind of like the girl that doesn't yep. like the guy until he gets a girlfriend. That's right. It's married. It's kind of that thing. So like when you go from that, just pull the ripcord of completely captive to completely independent, it's like, we're going to write everybody. Right. When really that's like the last thing that you should do. Right. Yep. And so, yeah, that that's ultimately what, what happened was that I, I started off trying to do everything and, and anything I mean, I was doing life insurance. I was doing health insurance, non-standard, standard preferred business. Hell, at one point we were even selling, back then there was a, uh, a wireless provider called Clear and we were even selling that in my office just to just because we wanted to try and get as much business as, as we could in the door. And eventually I figured out that that really wasn't um, a profitable way of, of doing business either. Um, and so we started honing down uh, kind of our, our niche uh, markets and, 
and uh, the business that we wanted to go after. And we, we ended up on uh, getting, we actually ended up getting rid of all of our health insurance uh, appointments. We got rid of all of our life insurance appointments. We got, got rid of that, that clear service and have now been focusing on uh, just personal lines and small commercial. Uh, and we've been doing that for, for a few, few years now. And it's been exciting for us. We, we actually built a, a program for subcontractors of a pretty big uh, home builder here uh, in Texas, where we would insure all of their uh, subcontractors. Mm. And at one point, um, they had about 400 contractors statewide. And eventually, I got to a point where I was insuring a little over half of them. That's awesome. Wow. Uh, yeah. So are what, you still so, are you still doing that, or is that something you've moved away from? Well, COVID kind of uh, uh, had a say in that, and a lot of those contractors went under. the The problem with that sort of market is that um, a lot of these guys are all really worker bees. They're not they they don't have a business owner mindset, right? And so when COVID hit, they weren't prepared for it, and they all had to you know go find jobs with the, with other contractors. That's awesome. Or that's not awesome, but like the fact that you guys put that together is awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, we we streamlined the entire process. So think about this: we we took an ENS product and streamlined the process. Now, when you think of ENS, think of a cord form. So you've got at least eight pages of an accord form. You've got usually a supplemental application that's somewhere between two and four pages. You've got a PFA agreement that's you know can be uh, two two to four pages long. You've got all of these you know, different aspects of the application process, I streamlined it down to a two-page application and a PFA agreement. Wow. How'd you do that? I was able to quote bind an issue right then and there when I had the, the customer in front of me. You worked with, I, did you work with the carrier, the MGA to, to yeah, put it together? Okay. Yeah. I worked with, the, worked with an MGA. I had a great underwriting partner um, who advocated for us and was able to put together this program with a carrier. And so they gave me pricing up front. Um, fees and all of that. Uh, I had a little That's table. Cool. And so when I would sit in front of the the contractor, you know, they were able to tell me, you know, what, what they were doing, what their sales were, payroll, yeah. all that stuff. And I was able to give them a quote if they decided to move forward with it, would sign all the paperwork, have it issued within an hour or so. And it gives you such a competitive advantage, yep, especially with a class like contractors, mm-hmm. because 99% of other agencies that they go to, if they don't have a preferred market, that's going to take it. It's going to be a two to three day yep. turner. You know, I think I may have told the story on the podcast. We mystery shopped a competitor of mine and we asked for an openly quote and they said, okay, we'll call you back tomorrow. I'm like, why in the fresh hell are you telling somebody they're going to have to sleep one night before they get an openly quote? Yeah. You know, it gives you such a like, like speed to quote, like that shouldn't be the only thing that should not be your only value add. Right. But but speed to quote, I would love to see the percentage close ratio goes up based on is correlated to time to quote. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And like, and that's like it's, it's fascinating to me because like one of the things that we do, and this is like like free tip for everybody that's like not already doing this, but like when we have contractors, and we don't have many contractors, but when we have contractors that hire subs, we tell them part of our onboarding is hey. When you get certificates from your subs, send it to us and we will not only keep it on file for audit and that sort of thing, we'll tell you if it's adequate or not. That's a free lead. Yep. You know, if I see they have Next and I know Next has these 185,000 exclusions for painters, 
I can call them and say, Hey, you know, or like my favorite one is the, you know, 15 feet thing. And they're like, Oh, we're doing tree removal. You know, <laughs> like that whole thing, like that's, those are free leads, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we do that to this day. Uh, we, we will tell our, our, of course you our do because you're smart, <laughs> but there's people uh, that don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that's, that's a, that's a great way to, to get additional, but the, the thing is also you, you have to have, someone who's willing to pick up the phone and call those other, those other subcontractors. But yeah, we, we have, uh, we, we still have the program in place. just not as robust as it, as it was when we first started a couple of years well, ago. You got to build it back up. Yeah. Yeah. And we're trying to duplicate it with other, we're trying to duplicate that program with other builders and we've gotten other technology since we started this, the first program that is going to help us streamline the process even more. I know you guys talk about it all the time, but Ascend just came on board with us oh. uh, a few weeks ago. So, I cannot tell you the high hopes I have for Ascend to literally change the industry. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited about it. I, I mean, you know, I've been following what what uh, what they're doing and what you guys have been talking about uh, with them. So I got excited and and uh, connected with them. Um, and and quite honestly, had my premium finance company had I had they not completely uh, blundered like five accounts in the past three weeks, I wouldn't have had a conversation with Ascend, but because they royally screwed up um, and caused additional work for our agency, we had, we had no choice mm -hmm. and, and ended up calling Ascend and they got us, they got us taken care of within a day. That's amazing. Well, it's one of those things too, man. Like anytime you can simplify and you can combine two vendors or two technologies, it's just all, there's all upside from there. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Especially yep. from the customer experience standpoint. And, and I'm on, I'm on their advisory council. So I'm, I'm really bullish on like, I'm going to have my hands on this thing, like the direction of which way it goes. So if yeah. you're listening and you're using Ascend and you're like, Hey, it'd be great if I had this, please feel free to reach out to me. Yeah. I'm happy to run that up the flagpole. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're excited about uh, uh, adding new technology that's going to help us streamline that, that process even better. Well, hello there. Guys, excuse me for interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast, but I'm here today to get you out of aggregator and cluster jail. This may be the most important message I've ever delivered on the Insurance Guys podcast. Guys, are you a member of a cluster or an aggregator? Does your contract have exit fees, termination payments, buyback provisions? It's time to get your freedom back. And do what we did here at iProtect Insurance, join the AC, the future of aggregators in our industry. Best decision we've ever made, guys. Best decision we've ever made. No entry fees, small $200 a month membership fee, over 50 plus carriers for direct appointments. And by the way, new ones coming on board each and every month. You keep 100% of your commissions profit sharing every year. Guys, we have made in the last two years, each year, our agency has made over $100,000 in profit sharing. Here's the best part, guys. And this is the part I'm the most passionate about. No termination or exit fees. You give the AC 60 days notice and you're free. You go get direct appointments wherever you want. There's no buyback provisions, no exit clauses. Guys, if you're a member of another aggregator and you have termination fees, buyback provisions, exit clauses, 
every single policy you write, you're digging that hole just a little bit deeper. And one day you're not going to be able to get out of it. It's going to be too much. You're going to be taking out a second mortgage on your home to try to get out of a cluster group. Unbelievable. Guys, go to acfree.org. That's acfree.org and register. Find out why over 650 agencies and $3 billion in premium have chosen the AC. And guys, here's the best part. But wait, there's more. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast when you talk to these guys and you get six months. That's six months of no membership fee just by mentioning the Insurance Guys podcast. Go today, www.acfree.org, and let me help you get your freedom back. Have a great day. Luis, my job here every week is to help these agents every, any way I can. You've been doing this for a while now. We're in 2022. You've been to the One City World Tour. You're a member of the UPP, I believe. Is that correct? Am I right about that? I don't know what UPP is, but sure, I'll join. <laughs> oh, you don't? You don't know what it is? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I must be thinking about somebody else. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. But you've learned a lot over the course of you've been in the industry a while. Yeah. What are some areas where you feel like you could improve your agency right now? Like what, like what are, what are some things you feel like you could do better? Man, I, how much time we got? Uh, <laughs> as long as you want, brother. <laughs> I could go on forever. What, one of the things that I think we're, we're really strong in, and this is a setup to where I think we're, we're lacking, right? So we're, one of the things that I, that I think that I'm really, one of the areas that I'm, that I'm really strong in is figuring out ways to be efficient. But that causes a problem because you over efficient your office where it actually impacts the customer. You, you, you end up creating bigger gap between the agency and the customer. You turn into safe lot. There you go. Yeah. I remember yeah, safe that. Lot, safe yeah. lot's not gotten to where you, you can't even talk to a human being. You right. have to, I mean, they, they still I used them a month ago. They've still got a good service, but it's, they've walled off the customer. Right. Really, they they have either. cornered the market so much that they can probably get away with that. Probably. Because yeah. not only is it a really good service, but they also have brand. Like I can't name any competitors to SafeLight that aren't local. You yeah. know what I mean? There's no national. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and every so they carrier get, they is can, using They can them. flip the middle finger and say, we're going to do this. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. just kind of like the, the cell phone companies, you know, like which, there's, which, there's three, which, you know, like. Which is fine in our industry relative to being an insurance agent. And I'm not praising long, it. I'm not praising. I'm as, just saying this. As long as as long as you don't have people that you want to go after that want that local yeah. somebody picks up the phone. Because because those people aren't gonna be around very long. Yeah. Yep. So we onboarded with Glovebox at the end of twenty twenty one. And in conversations with, with Glovebox, and I love Glovebox, I love their product, I'm a huge fan. Um, but one of, the, one of the conversations that we had with them early on, um, I discovered, I think it was Andy that said this, uh, and this is the first time I'm publicly giving him credit for saying this, but because I've said this on a couple of other podcasts, uh, but Andy told me, think of Glovebox as technology when you need it, human when you want it. Right. And so we, I kind of took that and I was like, man, that is an awesome, awesome perspective to have. 
And so we started implementing Glovebox and we started implementing, you know, a whole bunch of automation with our onboarding process, with our service process and, and all this other kind of stuff. And I got a phone call that really made me uh, see the impact that it was having uh, to our customers. And the phone call, the customer called and said, hey, I'm getting a bunch of spam emails from you. And I said, really? And I went and looked at the automation. He had gotten like three emails from us. And he said, I've already answered this same question that you're asking in the three emails one time. Why do I keep getting this, this same process or the same question? And the technology was broken, but no one in my office saw that because we were relying so much on the technology to do our job for us. Right. Right. I I couldn't agree with you more uh, relative to you have to meet the customer where they want to be met. Right. Okay. We all know the reason why you pull up to a Walmart or a Target parking lot. I mean, there's a different car in every space, right? Some people like red cars. Some people like white cars. Some people like trucks. Some people like, and I think we as insurance agents have to meet customers. And this is something Mike Stromso talks a lot about. Meet them where they want to be met. And that's why my agency, you call our office. Somebody's going to answer the phone. We're not on the the phone tree, right? You want to go get your ID cards online by all means, go to Glovebox and go grab them. If you want and, and everywhere in between text messaging, emailing you, I, th- I think, and Bradley and I have always kind of both held true to this is that blend of modern technology and still having that human, human element and feel to your agency. Yeah. yeah. What you have to do is you have to know who your target prospect is, your target client, ideal client, and you have to reverse engineer how do they want to communicate. And it, and it may be you ask them, you know, the, the first couple of years of the portal text onboarding, we asked people what their preferred method of communication is. I think we had two people in two years say anything other than text message. Right. Um, now you have to consider the fact that we are texting them when they're saying that, but still. <laughs> and that's, I'm not exaggerating. That's true. Yeah, uh, But you have to know who your ideal client is and you have to have as many ways for them to do business with you that's within their ideal. For sure. You know, if my ideal customer wants to come in and sit down and drink a Diet Coke and give me a side hug on the way out every day, excuse me, if the person I'm writing wants to do that, but that's not how I want them to do business, then there's a problem there. Right. It has to be those two things. People tend to only do one or the other. They tend to want to write everybody but then bitch that they're not doing the way these things, or they want to force it down their customer's throats. It's like, Hey, you have to do it this way, right. but no, I don't want to do it that way. I want right. to, I want to do this. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. my lady that cleans my office here, awesome person, great business owner. She does not have where I can pay her electronically mm. and it drives me up the wall. <laughs> Guess what? I forget to pay every two weeks. Yeah. She also will not communicate via text message, has to call me. If I text her a question, she's going to immediately call me. I don't want to communicate with you that way, you know? Yeah. So there's, yeah. There, I'm unhappy. Like the experience isn't great. Um, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop using her, but you know, like y- you have to like level with your customers, you know? He, here's where I think I went wrong. So I implemented uh, this new technology with the idea that 100% of my new customers, my ideal customer was going to be happy with it. 
what I did not take into consideration was the fact that I was going to implement this new technology with a bunch of old customers that I had who were so used to doing business with me, yeah. you know, a, a certain way. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of had to backtrack that a little bit and figure out, you know, how to, how to, how to work through that. So that's kind of the phase that we're in right now is, is, is trying uh-huh. to figure out, uh, sort of a, a delicate balance between. Can I give an example? Yeah. So, I'd love that. So I, I gave a keynote, uh, three weeks ago to the big eye of Arkansas and the keynote was how to set up your agency for high sales and low service. And in that I said, Hey, you know, all you guys that have existing agencies that are operated in a very high touch, high paper, kill treeing, low, high service kind of way. Yeah. I have tremendous sympathy for you because everything I'm talking about is going to be like 150 times harder than it's going to be 150 times harder than it would be if you're doing it from scratch, brand new or a newer agency, but it can still be done. And one example I gave when I was at alpha, we were freaking cash payments. There was some days we took a lot of money in cash every single day, cash check. And Oh, by the way, I might pay credit card this. Like it was like Mm -hmm. as high touch as you can get. The only thing we had going for us is it was one carrier. So it wasn't all over the place. And so I put a plan in, I did similar to what you did, Louise, with uh, the carrier on the ENS stuff. I, I sat down with the carrier and I said, the process to take someone from monthly cash pay bill by mail to EFT is way too complex. Let's simplify that. And I basically got it approved to where the client could sign a one page document and send a voided check in. And that, believe it or not, it was more complex than that. It was like all like three or four page form. And it, it, it was just real ridiculous. So we had that. I basically simplified it. So it was like, hey, one page form emailed in. We're on EFT the next month. Well, we hit it right when there was a rate increase. So every customer was coming in and bitching about their bill. I said, hey, I can save you $36 right now because it was a $3 fee on every monthly bill every single month. So we tell the customer, they come in fussing about their bill. Hey, I can save you $36 right now, right off the bat. Just like the other day, I had a lady who was a trucking company that I knew we could get her a lower APR if we financed her with a thin than who she was financed with. And I said, well, I know I can save you 6% off the top right now. So I know I can save you 36 bucks. When you have somebody that's fussing about a, a $50 a month bill, you know, $36 means a lot to them. And so we, that's how we would get people to sign up, sign up for EFT. You can pick the day of the month because you're not signing up for a new plan right now. You can pick the day of the month that the bill comes out. So you're in control of that and we'll set you up on EFT. So that you have to do stuff like that. You just have to be real proactive with it. So to that point, I'm lucky. I'm very blessed that I'm generation X. You're kind of both, right? And that yeah, I'm, I'm stuck in the middle. I can see, yeah. you know, I, I can see where older people, my parents age, my parents are both in their early to mid seventies. And you know how older people, they like to do things the way they like to do them. But I can see where a younger independent agent that maybe set their agency up some other way might have some friction there with older people. Cause they're like, Oh my gosh, this son of a bitch wants to bring a check to my office. What in the hell is going It's, it's nice to be in that generation X between boomer and millennial. And you can, mm-hmm. you can kind of see both sides of it. And I think, uh, yeah. I think, I think, I think it's, it's hard to set up all of your, of your stuff where you're giving everybody all those different options. And, and I think, well, I can't remember, I think it was you, Bradley, that said, 
understanding your demographic, your target market too, who the majority yeah. of your clients are. Like a lot of times we get upset with people. And then after the fact, we realize, well, they weren't really our target client either. Exactly. You know what I mean? Every, almost every single person that has a bad customer experience at Portal, if we wire work it around and we like go back to the root of the mm. problem, it's like, oh, we should not have written that customer to get to begin with. I'll right. never forget. We had a customer that was fighting mad, pissed off that he had to drive from West Louisiana to Sierra Land, Alabama to sign a form, but would refuse to use e-signature. Right. And I'm like, that sounds like it might be his problem, guys, but it's our problem. We should have never right. written that guy. Right. He's not going to use e-signature. We should not have written it. Guess what he was, Luis? He was a non-standard auto that we yeah. wrote within our that, first couple of months in business. Guess who wrote it? I wrote him. Me. I wrote him, by the way. <laughs> like, so I'm not like pointing fingers at my people, you know. Yeah. yeah but yeah. but it's it's and then I think like Safeco did a study on like selling to millennials and stuff. And I, th I think it was millennials. Yeah, it may have been that. Gen Z, but I'm pretty sure it was millennials. Yeah, no, it was millennials. And the thing they found is millennials actually kind of have a blend of the two. Uh -huh. They, they want you to tell them what to do. They don't want you to, they don't want to have to decide what to do. Right. But then when, it, but then you better have the apps and the texting and the convenience stuff as well to pair with that. So tell me what to sure. do on the front end and make it really easy for me to do business with you. That's how you sell to millennials. Yep. Right. And that, and you just gave the glove box ad right there for them. I mean, millennials are their perfect target, right? Gloveboxapp.com <laughs> backslash insurance guys. Because you can sell them on the front end. They've got the personal insurance agent relationship. They've got your number if they need it. Oh, by the way, on the back end, you can just go to glovebox.com or yeah. download the app on the play store or Apple, Apple store and, yeah. Get your ID cards and do all that if you'd like to do. And I think that's that happy marriage between the, the two of those. Mm -hmm. The one that you see less and less every year, uh, and this is just part of it, guys, is the older clients. See, back in the day, you'd, you'd have some of those people that would stop by your office and drink coffee with you for 45 minutes. And they just wanted to talk. And, oh, by the way, at the very end, here's my check for my insurance this month. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember when I started in the insurance business, there were a lot of independent and captive agents that just about every time the door closed, it was opening up with somebody else coming in to make a payment. Well, it's and like these, these stupid calendars that, yeah, it's like, that was the thing in South yeah. Alabama is you went to your insurance agent's office and bought a You're calendar. Right. Well, then I took over a book and other young people take over a book of business. Nobody like, sends oh, I'm calendars not buying anymore. calendars and the customers <laughs> my calendar. canceling their freaking insurance over this dollar yeah. fifty calendar yeah. that oh by the way you have on this device even if you have I'm holding my cell phone up even right. if you have the dumbest of dumb non smartphone there is a calendar on it but That's right. I digress I behave when I took over that book over in Athens back I in bet, dude. 2013 I bet you I bet you I had ten people a day walk in my office to make a payment and do y'all have a calendar do y'all have any calendars uh yeah around usually the calendar stuff my experience anyway was around christmas time somewhere in that rain thanksgiving christmas they'd buy like a thousand calendars and hand them out you know here's how you do it guys if you want to go from taking cash payments to not taking any payments at all is you immediately stop taking cash for new business yeah. No more cash for new business. No matter how big the deal, no more cash for new business. Okay. If that breaks the deal, you should not have written that client anyway. Right. Okay. 
we've, we, we do that. We've never lost a client over that. Okay. So then what you do, it's kind of like if there's a road that I drive every two weeks to go pick my daughter up and there's a stop sign on this road. It's a road that intersects with another road. And the main road that has the stop sign on it has a 65 mile per hour speed limit. The road that intersects with it has a 35 mile an hour speed limit. Now the stop sign shouldn't be right here. It should be right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they moved the stop sign, but two months before they moved the stop sign, they put a big sign up that said, this stop sign is going away and it's going over here. Letting everybody know yep, that's right. what you do. You set a t- your hard date. So right now it is April 25th. I'm setting a date of July 1st on July yep. 1st. We are no longer taking cash payments for other customers. And you tell every single cash payment customer, we are no longer taking cash payments. Yeah. You're going to have some people that say they're going to shop. Most of them are full of crap but you are going to have some that are going to actually do it. Do you want to do this or not? Okay. You don't make exceptions. July the 1st, we are no longer taking cash payments. Okay. Then after July 1st, September 1st, we are no longer taking check payments. That's how you do it. You slowly phase them out like that. And then it becomes EFT pay in full or sorry, I can refer you down the street. That's how you have to do it. You don't, you don't spring it on them. You give them enough time. You give them enough a heads up, go ahead and show your hand. Let me add in there. Sorry. Let me, I forgot one important step. Go ahead. If you're giving people change, you stop change first. Right. So, so June 1st is actually, we're no longer giving change back. You have to have the exact amount. If you have a little bit more, we can apply it to your account, but we're no longer giving change. Right. Then you go June, July, August 1st, we're doing no cash. October 1st, we're doing, that's, that's the way you do it, in my yeah. opinion. But Bradley... If I take credit cards, I'm going to have to pay a fee for taking credit cards. No, you don't. Use a send. They, the client you pays the fee. I set, up. I, I set you up. Thank you. There. There you go. Slam dunk. Alley-oop. <laughs> Luis to Bradley. <laughs> so let's talk, I, let's, let's talk for just a minute, Luis. Where are you we haven't even now? mentioned Dads of San Antonio. Yeah, let's talk about that. I want to talk about Dads of San Antonio for a second. I think that's a brilliant uh, – well, it's, it, there's, there's a lot of things there. I think it's a, it's a great uh, thing that you did. I want to learn more about it too, but how, how did, how did this come about where you just sitting there one day and you thought, you know, I need to create this, this space for all these dads in San Antonio to jump on and be able to talk to one another. Yeah, man. So it was a, it was actually a conversation with one of my uh, lender referral partners. Uh, so I was, I was having lunch with a, a referral partner of mine and, and um, I said, you know, just in conversation, how are you getting new business? What's, you know, what's, what's your method? And she says, oh, you know, I've been getting a lot of business from uh, this Facebook group that I started. And I said, oh, cool. What is what is the Facebook group? And she said, it's a mom's group. And I said, so what kind of things do you guys talk about in there? And she says, oh, well, you know, it's it's I think it's called like working moms, something or other. And it's just, you know, they they commiserate over uh, challenges and, and things like that, that they um, have to deal with as a working mom. And, you know, they, they kind of do theme days. So like on Tuesday or on Monday, it's, you know, motivational Monday, you know, the, the kind of normal stuff that right. you would see in a group. And so she said, you know, you should join a dad's group. And so I was like, I don't, I don't even know that there is one. And so I literally pulled out my phone right there at lunch and I searched on Facebook for dads in San Antonio and nothing came up. And so I was like, what a great idea. Let's, let's start this group. And so the more I thought about it, the more I was, I, I got excited about it because, um, so I grew up without a father and when, I, when we found out we were pregnant, I was, 
I, I mean, I was scared. I was scared shitless. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to, I didn't want the same experience for my son that, that my, that I had uh, with my father. And so also when I would ask friends and things like that for advice, a lot of, you know, guys that had kids uh, before I did had some really great advice. And I thought, why not create an environment where we can kind of put all of those things together, right? Where we can build community, where we can support each other, uh, where we can ask for advice, um, be a little bit vulnerable with each other, you know, as, as one can be online, right? Cause there's, there's still that, there's still that, that aspect to it. And so I created the group. And at first, I mean, for like the first year, we probably didn't, we didn't, I mean, it was just me and a bunch of my friends. Um, and then, uh, we started, um, I started to do kind of like a campaign to get more members in the group. And I started to, um, ask what would incentivize people to join the group. And so we did this, uh, like giveaway where we, uh, gave away these t-shirts, stickers, and some other really cool stuff that had a really nice logo on it for people that would invite other dads and their friends and stuff like that to join the group. And so we started the group about two years ago. We now have about 1900, uh, guys in the group. And uh, it's been awesome, man. It's a lot of work being an admin for a group that size, but it's it's really great to see the the rapport that's being built, the relationships that are being built by a lot of the uh, the dads in in our area. Being that's the cool. admin of a Facebook group is way more work than people think it is. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. I couldn't do it. I have a group now that's a local business owner group that was popping for a few years when I had a couple partners in it, and then they ended up changing careers to where being an admin of that group no longer benefited them. So they basically gave me the group, but I just can't bring myself. I could, I could start it back up and, and probably get some business from it. I've even attempted to give it to a few team members, but it just, I can't like the work it would take to get it and to constantly be in front of people. And I've had offers to buy it. I had somebody reach out wanting to buy it, but the amount I wanted, the amount he wanted were too far apart. Um, it's a lot of work, but, but, but if it is for you and there's some people that it is for like a Michael McCormick, like you were born to run a Facebook group, your, your attitude, temperament, that sort of thing. Like, like there's certain people that are born for it. It really like you need to do it because it could benefit your business immensely. Now there's also the aspect of the fact that the train is sailed. You know, I see some of these carriers and tech companies and insurance now trying to create their insurance Facebook group. I'm like, all you're doing is flooding people's right. You know what I'm saying? I do think though that community, not the platform community, but community is the next iteration of social media. And I think some of the, this NFT thing um, is kind of playing into that. And I think because people are like the big part of the, in a whole NFT thing is you get access to a community, right? I think it's going to happen on discord and on Slack and, and stuff like that versus a Facebook group, but because so many, so much of the, the whole crypto community is anonymous, mm-hmm. but, but I think that's kind of the next thing. I just, I don't know if Facebook groups is going to be where it's at. Hey, yeah. Bradley. Hey, Scott. Before we get off this podcast, I've had something I've been wanting to ask you about, and it kind of goes along with what we're talking right now. Okay. You know, when we started this podcast back in late 2017, yep. One of the big bullish things that we talked a lot about was Facebook advertising. And since that time, you know, a lot of things have changed relative to Facebook advertising. Is is that still a thing? 
Absolutely. Relative to insurance agents advertising like paid ads on Facebook or is that yeah. ship sailed? No, no. I think it's absolutely still a thing. You can absolutely still do it. Targeting at a niche level has gotten a lot more difficult. Uh, you know, Zuckerberg testified before Congress and all of a sudden had they had to get really tight with the things they let you target and eliminate a lot of things, most of which benefited insurance agents. Whereas you have other platforms out here like YouTube, OTT ads, geofencing, uh, Snapchat, and TikTok that are like way more aggressive than and given way more data than Facebook ever did. Uh, but no, I think it's very much still a thing. You just can't target as niche as you used to could. Mm. Um, I stopped running ads about two years ago when we got, I mean, I'm just going to say it. We got to the point to where we were writing more business than we could handle. And I was like, I don't need to be spending $2,500 a month on Facebook ads to generate leads. And we have enough leads coming in organically. Right. You know, um, but no, still a thing. I, I just finished a, um, a pilot with, uh, one of our carriers, um, that did, uh, that ran Facebook ads for us. And I'll tell you my experience in that compared to a couple of years ago is you get fewer and fewer high intent buyers on, on Facebook as opposed to other platforms. My experience anyway. My strategy with Facebook app, there's two ways to generate leads. There's two types of leads. There's high intent leads and low intent leads. That's it. Mm -hmm. Most people try to generate high intent leads. The people that are reaching out are saying, I want a quote. Well, those are going to be not only few and far between, they're going to cost you a lot more. My strategy was and always is to generate as many freaking leads as I possibly can. I actually wanted the low intent leads. And what we would do is we would turn the low, we would either a turn the low intent leads into high intent leads through whether it be drip campaigns, automations, offers, whatever, or B the beautiful thing about our product, mm -hmm. everybody has to buy it. So as long as my targeting is on point, my targeting is on point. I'm, I'm going after the right person eventually that person is going to be a prospect. Yeah, it'll so hit. we take that person and we stay in front of them. I have five spreadsheets pulled up on my computer right now of, of literally like almost a hundred thousand leads that we generated because we're getting ready to remarket to them. Um, Cause now I have the staff to handle extra leads. So that's kind of the way that I would approach it. And you can very much still do that. And, and so that's a, that's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah. The market just got flooded. So, so, so Facebook has what they call an ad inventory. Okay. And it was almost a good thing that they kind of scaled it back a little bit. They have what they call an ad inventory, meaning Louise's timeline, Scott's timeline, my timeline. There's only so many ads that we're going to see. Right. You can't have every post be an ad. So there's only so much inventory. So what happens when you have everybody teaching Facebook ads and everybody trying to run Facebook ads and even the, for lack of a better term, the dumbest of dumbest marketers can figure out how to boost a post or run an ad on ads manager, uh, you flood the market. So what that leads to is they can't add more ads. So it leads to increased cost. So it's almost good that some of these other platforms started having ad to kind of get people focused somewhere else. You know what I mean? But anyway, and, and if, and I'm going to throw a plug out there, like if you want to learn Facebook ads for insurance, the uh, agency, uh, CI, uh, what is it? Uh, CAC, Michael McCormick and Taylor Dobby, like collective no, agency council, collective agency council. Yeah. They're going to kill me for forgetting the name, but I've had a long day, 
there's no better place to learn them. And that's not the only thing that. you learn there. So that's where I learned all my, the, everything I just went through. That's where I learned it. From. Yeah. And, and a lot of the, uh, the Facebook group You're strategy. Yep. I learned it from CAC. So that, that helped me, uh, that helped me to grow the, the, the group and then also find leads in the group as well. So I'm not, I don't allow for random. I mean, cause we have a ton of realtors in the group. We have a ton of you know, other salespeople, car salesmen, I mean, you name it, they're, they're all in the group. And so we don't allow for, for everybody to post every single day about their product or service. We have uh, certain days that, you know, are okay to post those things. It, it kind of lessens the, the sort of spamminess of the group, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. But it, it also underlines the, the emphasis on, on the importance that we put on those businesses that we're supporting. Um, and so, it's been great for for the agency and a lot of a lot of guys when they have insurance questions they'll reach out to me privately or when somebody says hey i'm looking for you know auto insurance or home insurance i'll get i won't even say anything i'll just get tagged in in the in the comments hey you need to talk mm -hmm. to luis you need to talk to luis you need to talk to luis right. and um so yeah it's it's definitely helped the agency grow it's it's brand awareness for us and then we even started and you a don't podcast. let other insurance agents in there do you i do aaron do aaron okay. actually is a part of the group <laughs> yeah He's, he's a part of the group, but what I do is I limit their activity. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, not like a bad that, idea that with group, Aaron. Not a bad idea. That group yeah. I mentioned that I have, I, I don't let other insurance agents in there. And I accidentally let one in, in two years of doing it. And I'm now married to her. Oh, um, there you go. But, uh, the, uh, and it, it was legitimately I accidentally let her in. By but, the way, um, Aaron, I'm just kidding. Don't get your feelings hurt. I'm just joking. I, uh, <laughs> We're both going to get phone calls on that one. I'm telling you. I uh, One of the biggest pieces of advice I can give you guys if you're running a Facebook group is be super particular who you let in. Like, like the part of where you're hitting the button and proving people to go in. If you want the group to be a crap show, go ahead and approve everybody. But if you want it to be a good, solid group, vet each person. Yeah, My group that right. I used to run, you had to be local. You had to be a business owner. And it helped you tremendously if we had mutual friends and or you were friends with the right people. Just the way it is, yeah. you know, and, and we had some betting questions because they now towards the end of us running the group, they let us add questions. It was like, where's your business located? Where are you located? What do you hope to get out of this? Yeah. And that gets a lot of people kicked out, you know, yeah. but or, or not or not kicked out, but not approved. And so that's a that's a big one. That is a big one um, of, of the, the approval process is super important for sure. Guys, I got to run full-time Uber driver here, part-time insurance agent, full-time Uber driver for a 15-year-old. You just got a call. Oh, yeah, you got to go do that. I get Guys, it. as I end every episode, Luis, thank you for being here today, brother. It means a lot you'd come on the show with us today. Thank I appreciate you. the opportunity. Yeah, as I end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out into the big, bad world build relationships, create Facebook message boards for people to get on. Go be the mayor of your village. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand times more. You want to know how to get a bunch of business in the insurance industry? Just act every single day like you're running for the school board or city council. Meet people, greet people, plant the seed. You will end up one day writing a bunch of business, but you got to get out there and you got to meet people. Go make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, for your parents that are struggling out there. Go make money for them. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business 
for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Make sure you have like some chocolates and some bottled water for your passenger. There you go. There you go. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.